What's wrong with you people? I'm serious. This is Not Another Baptist Podcast, a weekly podcast about what two pastors are learning in the trenches of church revitalization. This podcast is sponsored in part by our friends at the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Visit swibbits.edu to find out more about what God is doing on Seminary Hill. Howdy, Kyle, non-alcoholic beerman. How are you doing today? Morning, Matt. I'm doing well. It's Friday as we are recording this, and uh, it's the best day. And it's fall. So it you know what that fall. means, officially. It, it means you have pumpkin spice, all the things. It I'm is sure. It is pumpkin spice season, officially, yes. yes. I'm sorry. So, it's also so almost excited. candy corn season, so it's okay. We both have our own faults. But uh, today, it's not just you and I sharing together. We have Dr. O.S. Hawkins with us, and we're going to talk about In the Name of God, the Colliding Lives, Legends, and Legacies. That's some nice alliteration there, Dr. Hawkins, of J. Frank Norris and George W. Truett, which is out and out, came out on September 1st, uh, 2021. And as of today, it is the number one new release in Christian church growth, at least on Amazon. And so we praise the Lord for that. But Dr. Hawkins, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Glad to be with you. And let me just say a brief congratulations to you, Matt, on being president of the Pastors Conference. 36 years ago, uh, I was president of the Pastors Conference when we met in Dallas in 85 with 45,000 people there when Dr. Crystal preached his famous, infamous for some people, <laughs> sermon, whether we live or die. It, it has been an honor and, and a joy, also a little bit stressful. Maybe you had a full head of, of black hair at that time, but I can see that it's gray, probably because you were the president of the Pastors Conference. That's how I feel yep. at this moment. But, uh, but no, yep. it is an honor and a joy, and uh, we're excited to see what God is going to do in Anaheim and excited to see what God can maybe share with us today as we discuss kind of the legacies and the lives and so forth of J. Frank Norris and George W. Truett on this great new book. I have to say that the cover is great, and uh, we didn't really talk about this, but tell us where that artwork came from, if you remember. You know, uh, B&H Academic, this is really a rewrite of my PhD dissertation, and uh, B&H Academic published it, and they their artists did the uh, pencil drawings of Dr. Norris and Dr. Truett. And I'll just tell you the honest truth. I published over 50 books. I don't think there's been a cover that's more, more yeah. compelling and inviting than this one. Yeah. And you know, these, these two men, uh, people need to know about them today. They dominated evangelical ecclesiology, the first half of the 20th century. Uh, they had the largest churches in the world, uh, uh, on on Norris's 10th anniversary, 1919, at First Baptist Fort Worth, right downtown Fort Worth at his church, they had 12,000 in attendance in the multiple services. 2,000 turned away, over 200 editions. Uh, they lived lives of constant conflict and controversy with each other. They both shot and killed a man. <laughs> Doctor threw it by accident, shot and killed the police chief of Dallas, Texas. 
And uh, Dr. Norris in self-defense shot and killed a man by the name of Dexter uh, uh, Chips, uh, actually in his office, who had threatened to kill him. So there's a lot of intrigue, a lot of mystery, a lot of blackmail. There's everything in this book that was all done, as the title says, in the name of God. But there are also some great lessons for us today from them. Yeah, I think minus killing people and minus the like 12,000 people in attendance and so forth, you basically described Kyle and I. Uh, I mean, so, you know, <laughs> but but we're grateful for the chance to to share. And uh, before we came live here as we were recording, uh, you shared a few lessons that you learned along the way as you were writing the book and, and of course, writing your dissertation. And uh, I think we both had the shared uh would we call just burden of having Dr. Queen on our team is did, did I hear that right? You had Dr. Queen on your, uh, your dissertation committee. Now that name sounds familiar. Oh yeah. But I just can't place him. I'm, okay. I've tried. Well, to Dr. Much. Hawkins, he sounds kind of like this. <laughs> oh, I remember him. I remember him. Well, yes, I, I'm still having a hard time forgiving him and Carl for my what they did to me on my oral exams, which yeah. was brutal. He's a great brother. And I know it was a blessing for you to work uh, with him. And I know he shared how much yeah. of a blessing it was to work with you. You know, we're, we're doing a book together right now, uh, about to sign a contract on it, on the public invitation. There's not been a book published in over 30 years on, on the public invitation. Matt and I are doing it together on the biblical and historical basis for it. And, a lot of application to it. So yeah, Matt, Matt Queen is a bright mind and a rising star, I think, among us. And that's a really good imitation of him, Kyle. <laughs> He's got it down. You know what's happening on October 22nd, Kyle Beerman? I believe that would be uh, Texas Baptist College's fall preview day. It sure is. And it is an opportunity to see firsthand all that Texas Baptist College has to offer. During your visit, you will see the campus, speak with the professors of Texas Baptist College, hear from President Adam W. Greenway, eat great food that I sure hope is barbecue, attend a panel discussion of current students, and experience the great campus community that TBC has to offer. So Kyle, Let's go back to our chat. Speaking of some of the lessons from the book, and I want to make sure I get this correctly, in the name of God, uh, speaking of some of those lessons, you said never to allow denominational loyalty to trump doctrinal fidelity, I believe you said. Can you talk to us about yeah, that? This, 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 was the, this was actually the North Star of J. Frank North. J.B. Uh, J. Gambrell married... Uh, Dr. Norris and Lillian, uh, right, right at the time that uh, they graduated from Baylor. And he made a statement, Gambrill did, that doctrinal loyalty always goes straight. I mean, denominational loyalty goes straight to doctrinal loyalty. And so uh, this became the North Star for Norris. And he watched uh, during the evolution controversy in the early 1920s, there was a professor at Baylor named Dow who wrote a, a very controversial book uh, arguing for evolution about men being half half human, half ape, and he talked about a lot of things like that in it. Well, Dr. Norris uh, raised the flag on it, came against him, and 
Dr. Truitt and Dr. Scarborough tried to cover for him, would never get into it. And they, they were concerned the 75 million campaign was on at the time. They didn't want to do anything to hurt it. Of course, there's a big section with all the documented research of it in the book, in the name of God. So this was one of the beginnings of their controversies. But uh, one of the lessons we learn in there is that in the midst of denominational life, we, we should never, never allow denominational loyalty to, to supersede doctoral loyalty. There was a reason for the conservative resurgence. There was a professor in Kansas City that had written a book, as you know, Ralph Elliott, uh, discounting the historicity of the first 11 chapters of Genesis. There was a president in Louisville of one of our seminaries that wrote in his Exodus commentary that the burning bush in Exodus 3 didn't burn. It was probably fall and different colored leaves were blowing in the wind and appeared to be burning. There was a professor in New Orleans uh, that, that, that wrote a book really questioning the efficacy of the blood of Christ. So there were all these things swirling around denominational life. And that's, that's the essence of the conservative resurgence was this, that, that doctrinal loyalty ought to supersede denominational loyalty. One of the other uh, kind of lessons that you shared before we came on and that I think is really important is you said that uh, we always need to view culture through the lens of scripture, right. not vice versa. So, so talk to us a little bit about, about what you learned about these men's lives and how that uh, kind of showed the, the truth of that. Right. So in their snapshot in time, let's take, for example, race or white supremacy. Uh, you can view you can view the you can view the race issue through the lens of scripture. In other words, the, the one of the real lessons of the of the book, I think, is how important it is not to view scripture through the lens of culture, because you read culture into the scripture then, but to to view the culture through the lens of scripture. And all three of us have on glasses right now while we're doing this. We have a lens through which we're looking. And so take race, for example. Uh, you know, uh, uh, both of these men lived in a culture of white supremacy. Uh, Dr. Truett's known for his famous religious liberty address on the steps of the Capitol to thousands of people in that address, he said, God wants free worshipers and no other kind. And yet, even as those words escaped his lips, African-Americans were not free to worship in his church. It's the First Baptist Church in Dallas. Uh, he founded Baylor Hospital. He literally founded Baylor Hospital and raised the money to start it. There's a part of the hospital named after him over there. He was a board chairman there for 30 years. But no African-American ever had hospital privileges in there. They couldn't even walk in that hospital and, and, and practice. Uh, 1921, the largest Ku Klux Klan cell in America was in Dallas, 13,000 dues-paying members. And uh, I got a list of that when I was pastor of First Baptist. I sat on this for a while. To, it's going to be in my next book. It's, it's, it's alluded to in this book. But... Uh, when I saw the list of the hundred member steering committee, uh, I went. I got it into our records at our church, and I, I got the, the 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 records from 1921, and found dozens of of deacons and church leaders that Truett allowed to be on the steering committee. Actually, 
of the Ku Klux Klan. And in the in the midst of this world in which not everybody was like Norris and Truett in this, you had uh, J.M. Dawson down at First Baptist uh, Waco who stood boldly for 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 uh, against against white supremacy and racism and the Klan. You had T.B. Maston in our seminary in that, and Fort Worth at Southwestern. So there were these voices that were there. But unfortunately, you know, giants dwindle into ordinary people when we really get to know them. And uh, both of these men's issues and uh, of this on race were, were, were sad, sad to watch. Hmm. Well, Kyle and I have never had a disagreement. But if we did, let's say hypothetically, we had a disagreement. Uh, another uh, great lesson in the book was, was the reconciliation uh, we need to have to ultimately not let the right. sun go down in our anger, that kind of deal. Can you walk us through that, that how the story kind right. of applies when you read When you read the book, In the Name of God, you're going you're gonna to find these controversies went on forever. Uh, between these two men for 40 years. Uh, it was, Truett would never mention the name Norris. He would call him that man in Fort Worth. Uh, and That's what I Norris, say about Kyle. <laughs> yeah, that man in love. <laughs> Norris, Norris would send him telegrams uh, to, to wake him up on, in the middle of the night before he preached on Sunday to disturb him. And this I'm, went I'm on, taking notes here. This, I'm, I'm, yeah, <laughs> this went on for 40 years. But, you know, when... Near the end, Truett, Truett died of a terrible, terrible death of bone cancer in his left thigh, tremendous pain, allergic to medication. He, 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 his last uh, many months were, were devastating. And before he died, he called Bob Coleman to his bedside. Bob Coleman was his associate for 40 years who did everything Dr. Truett ever asked him to do. And he said, quote, he said, Bob, I don't want to die with bitterness in my heart toward any man. And I don't want anybody to have bitterness toward me. Call Frank Norris and ask him to come and see me. And uh, Coleman never made that call. Mm-hmm. And there was one person that would have kept him from that. And that was Josephine Norris, uh, Truett. Uh, Dr. Truett's wife, who forbid him to make the call. And for whatever reason, Coleman, who had followed every wish of Truett for 40 years, uh, never made the call. And, and one of the great reconciliations of all time had no fail. Had to, now, you know, Norris had a scrappy relationship with the president of our seminary, Dr. Scarborough. Scarborough was a scrapper and Scarborough was a, a fighter. And they had some vicious, vicious confrontations. Uh, and Scarborough dying in his daughter's home in West Texas. And some of the most sweet and beautiful letters you've ever seen were exchanged between the two. And then Scarborough died in 1945. A few years later, uh, there was a guy by the name of Bob Barber, who was a student at uh, Bible Baptist Seminary, Norris Seminary, downtown Fort Worth. And on a given day, Norris uh, said, Bar- Barber had one of the few automobiles there in the late 40s at the seminary. He said, I want you, I need you to take me somewhere in the morning, pick me up in the office at nine o'clock. And this young student was there at nine o'clock, picked him up in his office. Norris came down with a bouquet of flowers in his hands and said, now drive me out west of town. And so the kid drew, started driving out west of town until they came to a cemetery. Now it's Greenwood Cemetery. It's inside the city limits, but back in the 40s, it was out west of town. 
And he said, Dr. Norris said, stop the car. And he got out of the car and he walked across the graves and over a hill where he was out of sight, and came back in about 30 minutes without those flowers and said, now get back in the car and take me back to the office. And you get back in class. And uh, when he did, uh, of course, Barbara didn't get, go back to class. He said, I drove straight back out to the cemetery. And he said, I walked over all that cemetery until I found those flowers on the grave of L.R. Scarborough. So the, the, one of the lessons is don't, don't wait until it's too late uh, to make reconciliation with everybody. And, you know, there's another, Matt and uh, Kyle, there's another interesting thing. We mentioned Southwestern Seminary several times. And, and while Truett was chairman of its board for years and years, on the board for 30 years, his picture's there in the rotunda now in the Truett Auditorium, uh, he was against its coming. When B.H. Carroll wanted to move the Bible department from Baylor up to the Metroplex and make it Southwestern Seminary, Truett put together a coalition to fight the move. And because of the sheer personality that he had, he was elected chairman of the committee to find a site. And so he recommended two small lots in the Oak Cliff section of Dallas, which infuriated B.H. Carroll, there's a letter in the book that Carroll wrote to Truett excoriating him, saying this is not going to be, quote, some two-bit, ten-horn seminary. <laughs> well, Dr. Norris was president, was on the Baptist Standard at the time, and he started promoting this move all over the Baptist Standard, all over Texas. And, uh, and Norris was the single most influential person, along with Carroll, in Southwestern Seminary, Finding a Hill on the south side of Fort Worth. In fact, they needed $100,000 to get the seminary moved there. Norris raised half of that money. Then as soon as they got the property, they built Fort Worth Hall, $200,000. Norris raised $100,000 from his church, half of the money for uh, Fort Worth Hall, and uh, built it there. In fact, Alan Lefevre, who's a historian down at Truett Seminary, of all places, said that Outside of B.H. Carroll, the most influential person in the founding of Southwestern Seminary was J. Frank Norris. Wow. Wow. Um, one of the other things you mentioned is, is the importance of balance in ministry, uh, right. li life balance in, in ministry. Talk a little bit about what you learned from these men about well, that. Well, what, what I say about that is this. We need to understand that, you know, for the most part, historians have reviled say Frank Norris, and revered George W. Truett. And the truth is, there is some good in those we think the worst of, if we look for it. And those we put on pedestals, when we really get to learn a lot more about them, dwindle into ordinary men, just like all the rest of us. Like, like James said of Elijah, we're, 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 he was a man of like nature as we are. Uh, we, you know, we're, we're, we're all in this together. So, uh, there's just a, there's just a balance that needs to come in our lives to understand this. And, uh, the other thing is this, the, the, for the two of them, Norris ended up with this strident fundamentalism that it draws its circle closer and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller till ultimately no one is left standing in it. And uh, on the other side, uh, Jesus uh, said in Luke 6, woe to you when all men speak well of you. And so there's just a balance that needs to come to each of our lives to realize that 
that uh, a lot of times, you know, when we're criticized and we don't like it when somebody criticizes and even when it's unjust, if we'll really look, there may be a kernel of truth in there that we can use to, 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 to be more conformed to the image uh, of Christ ourselves along the way. Yeah. Amen. As you were describing some of these men, I, I just started my mind, started racing to maybe some that would be the the opposite of of some of their their characteristics. And, you know, Dr. James Leo Garrett uh, came to mind. Another was Dr. David Dockery, who is just a gentle theologian who who clearly loves Jesus, loves others. And it comes across as he writes and as he shares. And And uh, I was reading uh, along the Amazon page and saw he was one of your endorsers and loved right. the line that he said, the first half of this book reads like a page turning novel. The second half of the book offers a hermeneutical guide to the diverse and distinctive contributions of Truett and Norris, as well as to the longer term implications of their approaches to life and ministry. Certainly, we can learn not to maybe shoot somebody in our office. That's that's one clear. Uh, well, if you <laughs> uh, think they're coming perhaps. in to kill you, you know, if it well, that's true. Pick- that is true. <laughs> and uh, but but when we spoke yesterday talked about the pastor that, you know, said he wanted to kind of devote a week to reading this book and, and was done in one sitting. And, and I've yeah. seen that a few times when people have shared about this book. And so as we've talked about it, those that are listening in that may be interested in learning more about uh, Norris and Truett or really just reading a great book uh, in general, where can they find it? And, uh, and, and maybe why, why, why do you think they need to read it? Well, I think they, I think everyone, first of all, uh, who's in the evangelical world ought to read it simply because history has a way of repeating itself. And uh, these are these are the two iconic figures of hands down of the first half of the of the uh, of the 20th, 20th century. And when you read, there's so many applications. Look, what Norris failed to do in the 1920s, transform a denomination, he succeeded in the 1980s uh, through the conservative resurgence. He being dead kept speaking because the, the, the leaders of the conservative resurgence in SBC Life learned two things from Norris. They learned that you can't transform a denomination from outside. Norris just stayed outside hollering and screaming and pointing out error and doing they uh, they learned from him how not to do it but you, if you're going to transform it you've got to do it from the inside and so they came in and learned the system of electing presidents who would appoint committees who would appoint like-minded people there and it, even though it took 10 or 15 years you can transform it from the inside the second thing they learned from him was that Norris had a unique way. You know, when, when Carroll gave the charge to Scarborough at the seminary, he said, if, 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 you're, if, you're, if your trustees don't hear you and your faculty don't hear you, take it to the common people of the churches. They'll hear you gladly. Norris called these folks the fellows at the barks of the creeks. Mm-hmm. And they learned this from Norris, that you could mobilize pastors out there at the forks of the creeks. And the secret, the reason Adam Greenway's president of Southwestern today or Al Mohler's president of Southern is because pastors from the forks of the creeks piled in their cars for 15 years, drove to Southern Baptist Convention, slept in their cars to vote for people like Adrian Rogers and Charles Stanley and others who saw the transformation of a, of a, of a denomination. And so uh, there, there are a lot of those lessons like that that are to be learned uh, in this book. And so as to the question of where to find it, 
It's everywhere. It's on Amazon, Lifeway, whatever. You can go to oshawkins.com, and right there you'll find a click where you can uh, uh, know where to order it and where to find it, as you can find all of my books. And let me just say also, Matt and Kyle, for a lot of your listeners who may not know, there are hundreds of free resources at oshawkins.com. There are 26 staff meetings that are 10 or 15 minutes each, which I did for pastors, bivocational pastors and pastors who just have one or two people on the staff where every Monday they could sit down with me for 10 or 15 minutes in a staff meeting about church leadership. That's on there. It's all free. There are free book downloads on there. Uh, my, my 400 page pastor's manual, the pastor's primer is a free book download on there. Uh, my book on the invitation, drawing the nets, a free book. Now there are hundreds of free resources there. And then you can also find out about all of our books that support Mission Dignity, the code series. OSHawkins.com. Yeah, as, as we begin to wrap up, talk, talk just a little bit about the about the code series. Um, I okay. know you've you, years now writing books in this series for a right. very specific purpose. And so, so right. talk to us about this. There, we're on a mission to bring dignity to some forgotten folks. And that's uh, retired pastors and their widows. They pastor out in the crossroads. Nobody knew where they were, but they're so faithful all their lives. Never made enough to live on, much less prepare for retirement. Then they retire. Most of them lived in a church-owned home, had to get out of it. They, they, they don't have hardly anything in retirement. And so Mission Dignity comes alongside them. And 15 years ago, we were able to give them $50 a month, which helped. Now, we've been able to raise so much money, and the books have sold so much. All the royalties to my books go to Mission Dignity. And we've sold so, so many code books that now the neediest of these people get $750 a month. And one little pastor's widow, 87 years old, wrote me recently and said, I get to eat at night now, and it's not just a piece of toast. So that's why we wrote the code books. The first one, the Joshua, they've sold two and a half million copies in the last few years, wow. which is startling. The, the biggest seller is still the first one, the Joshua Code, 52 scripture verses every believer should know. I believe that you can know the whole theme of the Bible if you memorize 52 verses in the Bible. And churches take this and use it for a year-long study. In fact, your listeners today, pastors, they ought to get this to take their people in, 19, in 2022 through uh, 52 weeks of memorizing one verse a week as a church and and, and the, these 52 verses about it comes from Joshua 1 8 this book of the law shall not depart out the second one was the Jesus code 52 scripture questions every believer should answer I believe there are 52 questions in the Bible that everybody ought to answer before they go to heaven that's the Jesus code and they go on and on there are 12 of them now the prayer code is coming out November 1st 40 Bible prayers every believer should pray. Thomas Nelson just told me they already have, if you can believe it, 50,000 pre-sales wow. of, the, of the prayer code before it ever comes out. And right now, there the, are the, the, some of the codes that are less than a dollar. For example, the Christmas code. Uh, churches use it in mass and bulk. They can buy them for less than a dollar. It's an Advent devotional, 30 devotions of the Christmas season. Churches buy them, and, and what they do, they, they buy them in bulk. They give them to their people to put on every door of their home with an invitation to their Christmas services, uh, to give out to their people for a church-wide devotion. Uh, 500,000 copies were sold of the Christmas code last year. And uh, it, it's, it, it's available to do that. So yeah, but this whole code series is designed to bring discipleship into the church, help the pastor to grow his church, their outreach tools, but and, and all the royalties to them 
every dime of it goes to support these precious pastors and widows in need in their declining years. Well, Dr. Hawkins, I think not just thank you for this episode, but I, I believe we uh, collectively, Southern Baptists, those that are listening in, uh, I, I think I can speak for us all and say thank you. Thank you for uh, for writing those books and uh, and really putting a spotlight on some of those forgotten pastors and, and their wives and, and families that, that they maybe leave behind. And uh, we're grateful for that. Grateful for the work you uh, have done and are doing at Guidestone as you begin to uh, transfer that baton over to, to Dr. Dilbeck and, and speak on that. And, and let me say one word. Yes, Hanson is going to be wonderful, Matt. But you're a, you're a director of missions now. I know that's not the title. What do you call yourself? Uh, the Well, I think everybody in the association has a different title for it. But uh, yeah. I, just, uh, I, think, I think associational mission strategist. All right. So there, there are over a thousand of you guys around yeah. the country, Southern Baptist Life. You're our biggest asset. Because you know what our biggest challenge in mission dignity is? It's finding people to help. Mm-hmm. They're so good and they're so godly and they're so humble. They won't come forward to say, I need help. So we depend on people in your position. And if any of them are listening, look around, listen around. If you know somebody in your association that we can be Christ's hand extended to, let us know at Mission Dignity and we'll be thrilled to help in any way we can. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. Kyle, send us out. Yeah, well, Dr. Hawkins, thank you. As as a uh, as someone whose retirement funds are in in Guidestone, thank you for your leadership. I appreciate that, and and for the the work that you've done to to make sure that our uh, our retirement funds continue to grow and, and are stewarded well there. Um, and uh, until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We want to connect with you on Facebook at Not Another Baptist Podcast or on Twitter at NAB underscore podcast or our website at notanotherbaptistpodcast.com. Until next week, we encourage you to check out csbible.com to learn about the Christian Standard Bible, our favorite translation for its blend of readability and accuracy. Have a great day and God bless. What's wrong with you people?